welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, our guests, Joey Johnston, Tim Williams. We're going to be talking about what's going on this weekend, and of course, is March Madness. And guys, as we take a look at what's going on here, let's start with you, Ira. What, um, what are you looking for as we get starting on Thursday as March Madness 2017 begins. Well, it's all anybody's talking about, Jim. You know, uh, tennis uh, is a great tournament in Indian Wells. I was lucky enough to go three times uh, last week. But uh, no, nobody's talking tennis at this time of year. Free agency uh, is on the back burner. The draft's uh, a bit away. Spring training doesn't count, Jim. So this is, this is college basketball's time to shine. Uh, you got Joey Johnston. Uh, Joey, Joey's been following the college game uh, so closely for so many years. Henderson touting Cincinnati, you all over Maryland. <laughs> yeah, Tim thanks. Williams, I appreciate that. Tim Williams lamenting uh, Boston College. So it, we, we're set up for a heck of a podcast, Jimmy. Once yeah. again, I went to Northeastern. I will never lament Boston College not being very good at basketball or hockey or any other sports. So don't worry about that at all. Although Northeastern didn't make the tournament either. All right. Um, Joseph, it is your moment to, to shine here, buddy. Well, uh, Ira, I hate to break it to you, but I have Cincinnati going out in the second round. So um, against uh, UCLA, I think um, that the next you know, Thursday and Friday, the opening days of the turn, the two best sports days of the year, in my opinion, uh, you just uh, – you keep going around. They do rapid fire on the telecast. And just when you think like one game, uh, you can't top that game, they switch to another game and it's just as good. So um, I know there's a lot of talk this year about the, the field being very top heavy, not, not so much strength on the bottom. Um, that means, of course, that we're going to see a massive amount of upsets in the opening uh, days. It always seems to work that way. So um, bring it on. Cool, Joey. Well, the tournament never fails to disappoint. Um, you know, regardless of, of how it shakes and bakes with the seeds and, and the pairings, uh, it it's just compelling theater. It's great stories, and like Joe said, it usually gives you things that uh, you never would have expected one after the other. And before you know it, it's nearing midnight, and you haven't left the couch, and it's just been great stuff. And I expect the same thing to happen uh, this year. I mean, we're past the point of uh, talking about the injustices and the seedings and who didn't get in and who, who got robbed and who got a uh, uh, better seed than they deserve. Now it's time to play the games, and uh, it should be another spectacular show. Uh, odds are it will be the very familiar household names at the end. But uh, as Joe said, the first two days are reserved for the incredible little guys who, who make uh, the tournament what it is, and we're looking forward to that. Timothy, you're up. Well, you know, it, this year the tournament looks a little different than it's, than we're used to. It, I, you might say it's a little top-heavy, but at the same time, it's really hard to find a clear favorite in this bracket, and it usually is. There's always it, – it's easy to pick one team – out of nowhere, any anyone with a four seed on up is someone that you might be able to talk yourself into 
maybe running into the final four somehow. And who knows with upsets and what's going on early. I think it's really fascinating, and Joe touched on this earlier as well, that March Madness is the only tournament that I can think of that gets that starts out better than it finishes. Now, the Final Four is great and all, but those first two days where we're seeing teams that we might never see again on television, those are two of the most compelling days in sports, and that's always a lot of fun. It's too bad they happen during work days, but might not be the most productive week between the snowstorm up north and the brackets and St. Patrick's Day being Friday. Well, you know, I want you guys to talk a little bit, if you will, about the number one seeds. I will tell you this. Villanova, who got the top overall seed, was not given any favors by the, by the, uh, by the NCAA because in their bracket, they could end up facing either Duke or SMU. Um, not necessarily a fun trip to the Final Four uh, for Villanova, the defending champion. Um, any thoughts? We'll start with you, uh, Ira, on the, on the four main uh, number one seeds. Well, Villanova, I think, is a team that's uh, better than the sum of its parts. Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, they got good players, no question, and, and a heck of a coach. Uh, Josh Hart is a quality player. I, I don't think, from an NBA standpoint, uh, teams are going to be tripping over themselves for Josh Hart. Uh, but he's a winner. Um, and they're dangerous, obviously, as the defending champ. Uh my thoughts tend to turn to the West this year mm-hmm. uh, because the West hasn't made a lot of noise Jim, uh, traditionally uh, since, you know, John Wooden packed it up. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking for an Arizona-Gonzaga final. Uh, Arizona, to me, is peaking at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey, am I wrong? But this, this seven-foot uh, finish kid um, is coming on strong. He's being compared to Nowitzki. All of a sudden, he's thrust into the uh, the lottery conversation. If he leaves after his freshman year, he's seven foot. He, he can shoot. Um, Arizona just knocked off UCLA and uh, Oregon. So, you know, if they play Gonzaga, Jim, I, I think um, I don't think there's going to be many more intriguing, uh, you know, finals uh, that, than that one. How about you, Jeff? Well, I agree about the West. I think the West is is a fascinating region. Um, the one team that, that Ira didn't mention about the West, out West though, is uh, Florida Gulf Coast. And they have a, a very interesting draw. They, there's the, the, they're a 14 seed, but in my bracket, I have them beating Florida State and I have them beating Maryland and going to the Sweet 16 where they will run headlong probably into Arizona, and, well, that'll be the end of that. But uh, Florida Gulf Coast, this this is not Dunk City like it was a couple of years ago, but it's a better team, I think, uh, much more balanced, and they will just get after it. So, you know, it, it's going to be deja vu all over again, in my opinion, with Florida Gulf Coast. And as far as the other regions – you know, you you uh, you alluded to Villanova having uh, having no favors done for them by the uh, NCAA tournament committee. Right. Um, 
I, I think the run ends for Villanova in the regional finals against Duke. I have Duke winning that game and going on to the final four. Uh, Duke, um, I've been telling you guys for weeks that, that I don't care how many losses they've got this year. Duke is, is right now, in my opinion, playing the best basketball in the country. And we all know what Mike Krzyzewski can do uh, when the lights are the brightest. So uh, I'm rolling, rolling the dice with Duke this year. You're bedeviled. Okay. Uh, Joey, what's up? Well, first of all, I completely agree on Florida Gulf Coast, um, and I do have them in my sweet 16 as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing them play Florida State on the late-night game Thursday. I think that's going to be a, a terrific game. And uh, About the middle of the season, it struck me that Gulf Coast was the type of team that uh, would really cause you some problems. They've got great athletes, and they create pressure, and, and they're just fun to watch. Uh, they are not Dunk City, but interestingly, they have more dunks this year than they did in 2013, believe it or not. Uh, so I think they're still uh, highly entertaining. Um, when I look at talking about no favors given, boy, that, that South region is a heck of a region. North Carolina, the one, Kentucky, the two, uh, UCLA, the three, and a very good Butler team, the four. So that's, that could be a heck of a, of a region, uh, out in Memphis. Uh, I like actually UCLA to come out of that region. Uh, I know they just got beat in the Pac-12 by Arizona, but I've said all season that UCLA is the kind of team that can go all the way because their ability to score in their backcourt, and I think they could be primed for, for a very deep run perhaps all the way. Um, so, But I'll be looking forward to that South region, and I'll be looking forward to Florida Gulf Coast on Thursday night. Tim. Well, you know, the West region is very interesting. You've got Gonzaga at the top of that region, and I think we're all really just waiting to see what they can do against the best teams because they've played four ranked teams. Three of them have been St. Mary's this year, so they really haven't had a lot in the way of top opponents, and we've been saying that all year, and it's why it took them so long to get to number one in the country and why just one loss made it made people wonder if even they were worthy of a number one seed but they have only lost one game they've taken care of their business and you can only play the schedule you have so it'll be really interesting to see what they do it'll be interesting to see how arizona does in that region i i agree with florida gulf coast being a potential upset pick early on in a couple of rounds that's a wide open bracket i like i'm also looking forward to the south i think in terms of teams that are peaking at the right time kentucky is one of those teams they're playing extremely well right now they're on a good run and this is a and that's a team that came in with very high expectations so it'll be interesting if they get to play ucla in what looks like it'd be the Sweet 16. That could be the matchup of the tournament. That would be a fantastic game if we get there. And with the tournament, that's always an if, no matter how good both of those teams are. You know, um, Joe, a while back, a couple weeks ago, brought up Wichita State. Now, again, to use Joe's phrase, not for nothing, um, you love that. 
I do. I like. I don't know why. I just it's it's, it's folksy. I, you know, I'm not a real folksy guy, but that's kind of a folksy thing. I like being folksy occasionally. So being in the folksy category, Wichita State, there's a stat that's interesting. I don't know how much you guys I, look. I, I'm not into the geekdom of the Billy Ball, Billy Bean type stuff, but um, 13 out of the past 14 NCAA champions uh, have come from Ken Pomeroy's efficiency rankings. And this year, Ken Pomeroy's efficiency rankings has the final four as Gonzaga, Villanova, Kentucky, and yeah, Wichita State. So, you know, not that it's uh, locking it in stone, but Wichita State uh, is definitely some a team that um, is on a lot of people's radar, and, and I frankly think that um, the Shockers are uh, going to be worthy of that name. So, Joe, they're you call it. They're in a heck of a region, Jimmy. They're yeah, they are. They are. No question. Well, Joe, it's all it a week ago or two. It's going to be difficult. Uh, did you say that Ken uh, Palm has Wichita and Kentucky in the Final Four? Is that what you said? Gonzaga, Villanova, Wichita, and Kentucky. Well, it's going to be difficult since Wichita and Kentucky potentially play in the second round. I'm just saying. Um, I like Wichita fake, over Dayton. It's fake news. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> I, I like Wichita, um, as you know, a lot. I've been on yeah. them mm-hmm. very, very big. But as a matter of fact, uh, I sent I, a note to uh, I sent a note to um, the other day to the AAC office and. Uh, you know, letting them know that uh, we're cool if they want to bring uh, Wichita State into the AAC for basketball. I'm not. I'm not sure South Florida is, but we'll get to that in a little while. Um, the um, but but I think Wichita will be Dayton in the opening round. Um, mm-hmm. Dayton hasn't been playing very well lately, and Wichita is is playing great. But that is a really really tough matchup in the second round because Kentucky is is on a roll. And I have Kentucky winning that, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I love those Cinderella's. But I have Kentucky actually coming <clears throat> coming out of the South, beating North Carolina in the in the region final and going on to the Final Four. Um, tough tough draw for Wichita. They deserved uh, more love, uh, a lot more love than a than a ten seed for the kind of season they had. Uh, the committee really. I don't know uh, what problem they have with Wichita, but those guys probably should have been about a uh, no worse than a five seed. I'm not sure what was going on there. Hey, Jim. Jim, I, yeah. uh, Go ahead, uh, right. I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Johnston, our, our resident analyst. Sure. Um, Joey, is is there? You know, Henderson was talking about how well Duke's playing down the stretch, Joey. But uh, what's going on with SMU, Joey? They they they're a big team. Uh, they score points. They're they're hot. Um, you know they're playing Providence in the first round, uh, or, or or USC. Joe, Joey, does, does SMU have any chance to make any noise in in the East? Oh, sure they do. I I actually uh, think they will get to the Sweet 16 and see Duke. I don't think they'll beat Duke, but um, but they're a really intriguing team. They don't have much or any depth. Um, but the six players they play all kind of look the same. 
they're all in that that swing man six six to six eight. And they all can handle the ball and create pressure. I mean, they've won 30 games, and uh, they beat a very good Cincinnati team pretty handily in the American Conference Final. Uh, so they're they're extremely worthy. They probably could have drawn a better seed than a six. Uh, I look for them to beat Baylor in the second round and then go on to, to face Duke. But but yeah, certainly they're um, they're going to create a lot of problems for people, and I think they're going to give Duke a heck of a game, no question. They play good so, defense, uh, right, Joe? They're, they're strong. Yeah, defense. yeah, and they're yeah, but and and they're you know the, the the knock on them is is if they get in some foul trouble, they they've got a problem because they they don't have much of a bench or any bench really. But uh, but they come at you hard, and and they're fun to watch. And and my gosh, they won 30 games. And the post Larry Brown era is going very well for uh, Tim Jankovich at SMU, no question. You know, guys, talking about SMU, uh, if if Vegas is to be believed, and we all know that sometimes it's worthy of it, sometimes not so much. Uh, SMU is is the is the Final Four dark horse in a number of sports books. Uh, they love SMU to make it to the Final Four. I don't know that that's going to happen, but you know uh, they are getting a lot of love out there from uh, from Vegas on uh, you know that being the the dark horse pick for um, a Final Four team. Tell you what, I watched them the other day against, uh, as you noted, a very good Cincinnati team, and they just dismantled the Bearcats, which. You know, um, it's not easy to do. And I, the times I've seen them, they just look like one of the best coach teams out there. And uh, that's to use Ivor's phrase. That's another team that uh, the uh, the whole is greater than uh, the individual parts. And I have them uh, going to the Sweet 16 as well. Um, I think they. Uh, should beat Providence or, or uh, the you know the uh, Providence USC winner in the opening round, and then um, they've got Baylor, which is uh, no gimme in the second round. But I I, I see them moving past that one and on to uh, to uh, to play Duke, and they will give Duke a heck of a battle. But I think probably the run stops at that point. What about Rhode Island, guys? I mean, there's a lot of love for the Rams, and uh, they play a great defense. Um, you know, they're holding opponents down to, you know, uh, what in essence is a 0.95 PPP per game. Block, they block 16 shots a game. Um, you know, they're a pretty uh, in the A10. They're a pretty athletic team. They're a long team. Uh, any thought that Rhode Island might be the team that uh, sneaks in there? Well, the final four would be a long run for Rhode Island, but they, if they can get past Creighton in the first round, they'll be likely to play what looks like Oregon. And a defensive team in a situation where all you need to do is win one game at a time that tough defensive team can really make a splash and really be a tough out in this kind of a tournament. So that's something Rhode Island has going for them. It's something South Carolina has going for them. They play that very grindy style of defensive basketball that isn't necessarily a whole lot of fun to watch, but has proven pretty effective over the years. So 
watch out for those defensive teams because if they can stop a hot offense, that can really be all you need to pull off an upset or two. Okay, boys. Any uh, Joe, Ira? That whole, uh, that whole bracket, Jim. That whole bracket in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. That, that's a grind. You know, Tim's right. He used the right word, grind. Um, you know, Kansas, Louisville certainly relies on uh, defense every year, and this year's no exception. Um, these teams grind in, in, in the Midwest. Uh, you know, there's no UCLA out there. You know, entertaining as all heck. Oregon. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to grind your way through the Midwest. Most people think Kansas uh, mm-hmm. will be left standing. Uh, but, you know, teams like Rhode Island, Jim, in a bracket like that, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's going to be a 54-52 game. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who, who's to say they, they can't win a couple of those? So not a lot of star power, I don't think, in, in the Midwest in particular. Uh, Frank Mason, Kansas, good player, not overly flashy. Um, but that 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 is the definition of a grinding uh, section right there in the Midwest. Do any of you guys have any Big Ten team making it to the Sweet Sixteen? I mean, this is a terrible Big Ten season. Uh, this is Joey, and I do. I, I like Purdue a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Purdue to to get to the um, to the Sweet Sixteen in the Midwest, where mm-hmm. they would probably uh, run up against Kansas. Um, I think uh, I've always liked uh, Matt Painter as a coach and um, certainly liked the, the Purdue lineup. Now, they, they didn't uh, fulfill their potential in in, uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Of course, uh, Michigan kind of uh, was the team of destiny there. But uh, And I, I, I definitely think Purdue will get to Sweet 16. And um, if I had any guts, I'd pick Michigan for the Sweet 16. I haven't. I've got Louisville going, but uh, – I would I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan got on a little bit of a roll too after their Big Ten title. They just are playing so pressure free, and they're extremely dangerous. So I think there's a chance that the Big Ten could salvage some of its reputation here in a in a, in a small kind of way after what has been kind of a rugged regular season. Yeah, I, I you know, agree Joey, with um, as looking uh, talking about Purdue, there's their second round matchup. Um, assuming they both win their opening games, which is not automatic. Vermont is a really good, tough opponent for Purdue. And, and if there was going to be uh, in conference, uh, if they, yeah, if there were, if there was going to be an eyebrow raiser um, uh, and that would be one of them, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Purdue loses that game, but I'm rolling the dice and say, they'll get past uh, Vermont and run up against a team that has been a personal nemesis to my brackets for as long as I can remember, Iowa freaking state. I picked, <laughs> I, I go, I'm not, I'm not believing it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it. And I'm looking at my bracket right now and I've got Iowa state going to the sweet 16 and uh, they're playing great. Uh, they got uh, this, this Monte Morris has just been uh, in fuego lately for them. Um, great, great guard play. And I think you win in March with guard play. I really do. And I just like the way Iowa State's playing right now, which of course means that they will lose their their opening game against Nevada, which wouldn't be that big a surprise either. But I'm rolling the dice. I, I don't like the Big Ten this year at all. 
Hey, Joe, I uh, just got a text from Steve Prom at Iowa State, and he asked you if you could please <laughs> take him out of your brackets, okay? It's, it's too late. I'm committed. All right, I'll text him back and the, say it's too late. You know, the beauty of March and the fun of all this is anything can be proven or disproven and in a heartbeat and um it, it it is uh fascinating how you know we all have our our uh, favorites and our beliefs and boy those can be put to the test in a two-hour game and just shattered so that's that's the fun of it is um no one really knows what's going to happen in, in, in a lot of these games and the, that's the mystery of it and the, and every now and again there's some just crazy stuff that happens i mean you know in 2013 I don't think anybody expected 15 seed Florida Gulf Coast to beat number two Georgetown, but that's what happened. And you just see these 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 incredible results happen, and that's 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 what keeps us coming back to this tournament every year. The fascination of it and the unexpected—it's the, the the true reality TV. And um, you know, you, some of the stuff you just can't make up that that that, that happens. So we're we're going to buckle in and see what happens this year. Hey, Joey, where do those kids from Florida Gulf Coast come from? Uh, they come from all around. So many are from the state. They've got a few from out of state, but they're, they're really good at identifying, uh, you know, maybe a key transfer or a kid that, that's flying under the radar. Um, it's it's a nice program. They have a, they have a great gym. Uh, they have a, a beautiful campus. It's on the, it's on the golf, of, right? Well, it's it's in the Fort Myers area. They have yeah. it's actually they have a they have a man-made beach on their on their campus. Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's really I I, I went down there uh, to report on a story a couple of years ago, and I was just amazed at how beautiful it is there. And you know, they 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 have a name now. They have a following, an identity for people who follow sports, and even even those that don't. Uh, I think they've really established a quick niche in this state and they've become a destination uh, school for a lot of people and they certainly have a nice athletic program a, a great men's and women's basketball team they have a good baseball team um i mean it's um it's amazing what they've been able to do down there and they have um uh, they have quite the following in, in the fort myers area and i'm sure they're all gearing up they're all going to be rolling into orlando to see them play florida state and what, what and what could be another big moment for that program Hey Jim, uh, Jim, we've got multiple we got multiple teams from the Sunshine State mm-hmm. on this on this Sunshine Boys podcast, mm-hmm. and isn't it interesting that uh, we we spent the bulk of the time talking about the Florida Gulf Coast, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, nobody nobody's talking about Miami, FSU, nope. uh, Florida. Boy, uh, times have changed around here, Jim. Well, you know, in fairness, of all the schools you just mentioned. Which one's the basketball first school? Well, you could argue Florida has been, uh, Tim. <laughs> That's they're, true. They're right now, their basketball program is on the rise quicker than their football program, and they've had some great basketball teams, certainly. But I, I'd say that I, most of those other schools, Miami, Florida State, and to a degree Florida, are defined mostly by their football programs. Whereas Florida Gulf Coast, the flagship is basketball. And although they're young, they're still just starting out. They've already, as Joey said, they've they've already made a name for themselves. And that's remarkable for a mid-major anywhere, but especially a mid-major in such a crowded college sports state like Florida. Hey, Ira, Joe. Um, 
which one of the Florida teams goes the furthest? Well, I think Gulf Coast. Yeah, I can't argue with that either, Joe. You're right. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about the Gators, and I think there's a good reason for that. Um, they, uh, you know, as we talked about on, in uh, the weeks right after it happened, losing uh, John Bunu, their big center, uh, mm-hmm. we, we've seen the impact that that's had on this team. And they have a nightmare first-round draw in East Tennessee State. And I have more to losing that game. I, I don't think they advanced. I have them winning that game, not because I don't think... I think Eastern Tennessee State's done a great job. East Tennessee State, rather, has done a great job this year. But the problem is they're not very good on the boards. And it's easy to beat Florida right now. You have to beat them in the front court. They Because they're missing Igbunu, you can beat them on the boards. If you can out-rebound Florida, you're going to beat Florida. But if you can't, and East Tennessee State is not a very good rebounding team... I think that benefits the Gators, and I think they they got kind of lucky with their first round on draw and their second round draw, and that they might actually be able to win a couple of games without having a big man, whereas that would have been up in the air depending on who they drew early on. But I think if it gets into a shootout, Florida advantage Florida for most of the time, unless they're playing someone like a Kentucky. Well, in the tournament, right in the SEC tournament, they couldn't hit the a free throw to save their life. Yeah, and that, that'll that'll knock you out in, a, in an NCAA game in a heartbeat. And it's it's unfortunate for the Gators because I really thought that this, this was a team that could um, easily sweep 16 and, and even Elite 8. I thought, I thought they were playing as well as anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. But when you lose a guy like Igbunu and you know, the, just all that he meant to that team, it's just, you can't overcome that. And we've seen the impact on the Gators down the stretch. They're well coached. They play hard. You know, they're going to, it wouldn't shock anybody if they beat East Tennessee State. But you've got a very dangerous opponent there if you're the Gators. It's, this is a team that can really shoot. And, you know, you talk about rebounding. I don't, I'm not sure there's going to be that many rebounds to get uh, the way East Tennessee State fills it up. So Florida is going to have their hands totally full uh, with that matchup. And, and the way the Gators are playing right now, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in you go with, uh, with the hot teams and, and you, uh, you turn your back on the cold teams. And right now Florida's a cold team. Before I ask you – Go ahead. Yeah, you know, every yeah, Joey, year they uh, talk about Joey, the, the five Joey, seeds. What's it going to take for um, Florida State, Joey? Um, you know, in December, people thought this was a different FSU team. Uh, they're very tough at home this year. Very, very tough to beat. But Joey, they they flattened out, and um, that whole program, Joey. What's it going to take for uh, for FSU to make some noise on on a national scene? Uh, they got to win games in March. That's that's pretty much what it boils down to. I mean, they they, they were the second seed in the ACC tournament. That's a pretty good accomplishment. Uh, as inconsistent as they were down the stretch, they did pull a two seed in, in what was considered to be one of the better conferences in recent memory. So they do have that. 
Um, unfortunately, they have a, a really tough underdog team staring them in the face on Thursday night, and if they lose to Florida Gulf Coast, of course, they'll never hear the end of it, and it will do nothing but perpetuate their uh, stereotype as the team that can't get done in March, and, and that, that is a fact. They have not lived up to their... Uh, lived up to their billing in March for quite some time, and I guess you can only do that for so long before people just get tired of it. Um, so it, it, you know, they won the ACC tournament a few years back. They've been a highly ranked team. They've competed well. They've beaten Duke and North Carolina and everybody. Uh, the one thing they haven't done is what Florida has done in this state is, is, is go deep in March, get to the Final Four win a national championship, and, you know, it wasn't too long ago that people were talking about Billy Donovan being an underachiever and a team a guy that couldn't get it done in March, and he certainly erased that with back-to-back national championships. So that's what it's going to take. They're going to have to perform under pressure. They're going to have to perform and beat some teams in the tournament, and uh, if they're able to beat Gulf Coast, of course, that will uh, – that will that will really help their reputation. They could propel them to some other things, but if they go down to the to the 14 seed, regardless of who it is, they've lost to a 14 seed, then they get branded as the team that can't get it done and the team that underachieved. So it'll be an interesting thing playing out on Thursday night for sure with the Seminoles. Real quick, guys, um, the question about um, Jimmy Laranega, uh, one of my favorite people, fantastic uh, person and, and a great coach. What's Miami like? Are they do they have the team that could go and you know get uh, win a couple of games or is this a, a one and done for Miami? I think it's a one and done myself. Um, they they're a really puzzling team to me. Um, I could you know you you talk about. Um, Jim Laranega and he he's done a very good coaching job. They they mm-hmm. just absolutely annihilated North Carolina early in the year. Mm-hmm. Um and you know they they deserve to be in the tournament, but they are so maddeningly inconsistent and they they do not um play well with the lead. They've let leads get away from them this year. And uh, they're not playing particularly well right now. Um, and again, you, you look for teams that are on the uptick as you come into March. That's why I look at a Michigan right now and I go, oh, oh boy, look, at, look out for those guys and Duke and, and uh, you know, even under the radar teams like Rhode Island. But you look at Miami and they, they represent one of the biggest puzzles in the whole, in the whole bracket. Uh, they've got a very tough first round game. Although, um, you know, with Michigan State, Tom Izzo, March, we, we know all about that, even though this is not a great Michigan State team. And if they should get by that, Kansas is waiting in the second round, and so that's that. So um, I don't see Miami lasting um, past the weekend. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any way that they move on. Another one more quick question, then we'll get to you guys' final four picks. Um, and that is the NCAA this year initiated something that um, kind of makes sense. And that is that they went out of their way to try to keep teams within regions if they could. I mean, obviously, you can't do that for everybody, but 
uh, you know, you're talking about FSU and Florida Gulf Coast, and if you want to see them, all you have to do is get to Orlando. Um, you know, they've tried to to cloister people in um, in areas where uh, they have a fan base and where there'll be interest. Is that something you guys um, uh, at like, or you think it's uh, you know, it doesn't matter one way or the other? I'd prefer it for mid-majors, frankly. You know, some of these big schools, they'll travel. The the Duke, Villanova, you know, the schools that have this reputation, that have large fan bases that didn't necessarily even go to the school, like your North Carolinas, that just have this long tradition, they'll travel. You don't need to put them where where people can easily get to them from from campus but florida gulf coast playing in orlando is great because people who are involved with the university can get to orlando and maybe see that game and be there for to support their team which is fantastic whereas you have some of these schools that have made the tournament but they're far enough away from their campus that their fans won't actually get to go see them we mentioned the great season vermont's had they're in the midwest that's quite a drive from Burlington and that's you know it's easy for Kansas to travel to the Midwest but Kansas will travel anywhere Vermont won't and the URIs of the world won't and and in the first couple of weekends those are the teams we really watch in this tournament the possible upsets the so-called Cinderella teams so it, it's kind of a shame that they don't always get the kind of placement that the larger schools get. But again, in Florida Gulf Coast case, it works out perfectly. Other guys? Well, the the committee, uh, obviously, uh, if, if they were taking geography into that much consideration, please explain why Cincinnati wound up going to Sacramento uh, for their opening round game. And, uh, you know, a team like... Um, that really, that's an unfair, that's an unfair deal to them. They got no respect. That's a 29 and five basketball team. And they get a six seed, which I think is too low. And they get shipped out to Sacramento. So, you know, the committee giveth and the committee taketh away. And uh, I know the Bearcat uh, faithful are, are pretty upset. And, and Mick Cronin is particularly outspoken about the lack of respect that, that his team got. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, the, this whole geographic thing, I suppose it's in the eye of the beholder because uh, last True. time I checked, uh, Sacramento is not close to Cincinnati. Mm, hey, Jim, no. uh, Jim, yeah. Jim, leave it to Henderson to uh, lay the groundwork for a uh, early flame out by the Bearcats. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just uh, get that on the record right here. Oh God! Hey, you remember I said that this was the last question? Well, it's not. Yeah. Um, I, as a graduate of the University of South Florida, um, and I know they went out and did all they could to find the best coach available. So why did they get this guy out of the witness relocation program? <sighs> Brian Gregory. And I apologize. Welcome. I'm sure he's a nice guy, and you know okay. all that. Blah blah. But, uh... Well, it is an uninspiring hire, to to be sure. Uh, he was not successful in five years at Georgia Tech. 
He was they they ran him off there. Spent this year as a uh, consultant to Michigan State, where it it never hurts to hang around Tom Izzo. But um, he now, in fairness, he was he uh, very successful. He had a great run at Dayton, eleven mm-hmm. years. Uh, you know, fine fine teams there. Look, though, I was thinking about this, and Joey, see if you agree with me. You're a loyal bull. Um, I don't. If Mark Harlan, the athletic director, thinks this is their guy, and he was not the first choice, by the way, they uh, went after uh, the coach at Akron and uh, were turned down. When Akron turns down South Florida, that that tells you something. But this is not a great job right now. Uh, they're in a a conference where they just this year they won one game in the conference. They get their brain speed in night after night. Nobody shows up. So, you know, they've, they've tried it with the flash and dash out there. Uh, that hasn't worked. Nothing that they've tried has worked consistently. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If Mark Harlan believes that this is the guy who can make this program into uh, a consistent winner that can compete for a conference championship, then okay. But if not, he goes 0 for 3 in hiring basketball coaches because we remember uh, the problems they had, you know, with uh, Orlando Antigua, who was fired, and before that, hired a guy who hadn't finished college and had to rescind the offer. So if he if this one doesn't work, he's 0 for 3, and then you start to raise an eyebrow at, at Mark Harlan because – you know, it's I, I greeted this with a standing yawn. Yeah, I would tend to agree. It, it, interesting, uh, what flashes through your mind? Uh, in 2003, uh, Seth Greenberg left USF to Virginia Tech, and I found myself at the Final Four in New Orleans covering uh, that event. And uh, Brett McMurphy, who covered USF at the time for the Tampa Tribune, joined me to uh, do some work on the USF coaching search. And so we find ourselves uh, one evening in the French Quarter speaking to Brian Gregory, who was highly interested in the USF job. He was at that time an assistant at Michigan State under Tom Izzo. He took it all in. He seemed very interested. He then took the job at Dayton. Um, You know, a lot of time has passed since then, but it's interesting that here he is full circle coming back to USF all these years later. Uh, he at one time had a great reputation. He was uh, an up-and-coming coach and, and maybe still still is. Uh, and I, I tend to agree with what, what Joe said. Uh, we do have to let it play out. It, it's not going to be anything that you're going to get terribly excited about right now. Uh, on, my, on my end, uh, I didn't uh, really have anybody particularly. Uh, I was uh, uh, championing for this job, but I definitely had some criteria. And, and those criteria were I thought USF should get a coach that knew how to identify and develop talent and a coach that could recruit the state of Florida. It didn't really matter to me who that person was as long as they could fulfill those criteria. Now, Brian Gregory doesn't have any special uh, ties to Florida, so that's a concern. But I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and see if he can come in here and shake it up and get something moving in the right direction. But uh, after having a, a run-up head start to to, uh, to get this coach after firing Orlando Antigua, 
to come up with a, a guy who really is, you know, I think it's safe to say a kind of a retread uh, choice is, as Joe put it, very aptly uninspiring at this time. But he, he, there's winning the press conference and there's winning on the court. So I think USF has to at some point address winning on the court, and that's what we'll be watching in the coming years. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen next year. So if Brian Gregory is a success, it's going to be a few years down the line. But right now, uh, it is a yawn. It is it is not something to get terribly excited about. But, again, when you win and you do it the right way, the, the results are on the back end. So we'll have to wait for that. Well, you know, there was an interesting uh, little tidbit, though, Joey, I wanted to throw in uh, for just a second. I was looking at a tweet from Fran Fraschilla, who knows a little bit about hoops. And he he praised it. He said, smart hire of Brian Gregory at USF. Great success at Dayton. Uh, won 21 his last year at Georgia Tech. Left a nice foundation behind for the new staff. So, you know, uh, that's all right. If he wins, then we'll say it was a genius hire. But we got to wait and see. I yeah, got to wait and see. And, and, and it, it, I guess it is. Uh, you're right about that. He. He um, he did lose some games at Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech was successful this year, and, and Josh Pastner, who was run out of Memphis, basically uh, became the ACC Coach of the Year. So, um, again, the, the pedigree is the Tom Izzo coaching tree, which uh, spawned uh, Tom Crean, Stan Heath, uh, you know, countless others. Uh, so he's got the right people behind him, and uh, I have no doubt he is a he is a good basketball coach, but USF is a very tough job. So let's see if he can come in and win games and find some players in this state and and get get the fans behind uh, the program. And all of that has been tried by many people before and not successfully. So I wish him well, uh, but he's got a tough job ahead of him. Well, I got two words for Coach Gregory: JUCO transfers. Um... <laughs> There you go, boys. All right, let's uh, let's fly real quick and uh, wrap this puppy up and talk Final Four. Uh, Mr. Kaufman, Final right. Four and your social media, sir. Jim, you can get me on uh, Twitter on uh, at iKaufman76. I'll start uh, in the Midwest. I'll go with the chalk. I'll go with uh, the veterans of Kansas uh, leading the way in, in the West. Uh, I like the way Arizona's playing. Uh, their big man will uh, go up against Gonzaga's big man, uh, perhaps in that final. And, and I like Arizona's big man to win that matchup. So I'll go with the Wildcats. Uh, in the south, I will go with number two, Kentucky. Uh, I like that backcourt, Fox and Monk. Uh, and as Tim mentioned, at this time of year, uh, backcourts are, are, are huge. And in the east, I will go with my upset special. Uh, uh, I will go with SMU. Uh, as Joey said, they're not deep, but they're good, and they're hot. So those are my picks, my friend. All right. Joey, what do you got? Uh, social media, Joey Johnston, at Joey Johnston 813. Uh, in the east, I like Duke. In the west, I like Arizona. So we're talking about a Duke-Arizona semifinal. In the midwest, I'm going with Louisville. And in the South, I'm going with UCLA, so a Louisville-UCLA semifinal. I'm going to say we're going to have Arizona versus UCLA in all-West final in Phoenix and a chance for uh, Sean Miller and Steve Alford to get together one more time, which was 
highly entertaining in the Pac-12 tournament and in the regular season and should be uh, nothing less than that this time around. Okay, Tim, real quick, what you got? I've got, coming out of the East, I have Villanova. They're defending champions. They've they've built quite a team. I think they're going to be able to get under Duke's skin in the Elite Eight and make the Final Four. I have Gonzaga coming out of the West. Like I said, it's going to be, we're going to have to wait and see how they perform against the top teams, but they have taken care of their business, and that's all you can do during the regular season. So I, I've got to pick Gonzaga. Coming out of the Midwest, I have Oregon. That would be my, for lack of a better word, surprise Final Four team. I guess a three seed isn't much of a surprise. It would be a first for, it would be a big milestone for an Oregon program that has kind of made big strides in recent years. And out of the South, I have Kentucky. I think Kentucky's playing their best basketball right now, and they're a loaded team. They're they're the team I just wouldn't want to see if I were anyone else in this tournament right now. I think they'll have a really fascinating matchup with UCLA, including and a fascinating matchup with Wichita State very early on. But I think Kentucky makes the final four. And you can follow me at Tim Writes Sports on Twitter. Joseph, bring us home, bud. All righty. Um... Yeah, it's going to be a, a powerhouse Final Four. I don't see any Cinderella's there. I got Duke coming out of the East. I have Arizona uh, ending Gonzaga's dream in the regional final in the West and going to the Final Four. Can't pick against the Jayhawks in the Midwest, so Kansas. And I have Kentucky beating North Carolina in what <clears throat> I'm certain will be an epic South Region final in Memphis. That sets up a Kentucky-Kansas matchup. I have Kansas winning that. I think Duke beats Arizona. And in a final, we have Duke beating Kentucky for the national championship. And if I'm right, you can give me praise at Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. That brings to a close yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. For the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, for our guests, Joey Johnston, Tim Williams, we wish you a very happy NCAA March Madness. And by the way, just so you know, you can get the um, Sunshine Boys podcast weekly at iTunes, at the Google Play Store, or listen to it right here on Blog Talk Radio. Until next time, we hope that your team goes all the way to the championship. Take care.